it, it, it's it's like the dopamine receptors are, are a lot less sensitive than they used to be but it it can be i don't know if you heard about the jacket flip but i found that during my last contract oh you didn't, you didn't. so so one of the weekends i was working uh it, it was in northern arizona southern utah and i went to a yard sale and bought a, a vintage levi's jacket from uh, from a yard sale you know it was a dollar 50 and I thought maybe it was worth like five hundred, maybe it was like a thousand dollars, something like that. Yeah, it's a big E, it's a big E type, big E type two blanket line jacket, beautiful condition. This was workwear, so you're thinking that it would have been trashed. Most of them would have been trashed. I knew it was early because it was a big E, you know, pre nineteen seventy three or whatever it is. And being in such good condition, I was like, this thing has to be worth like really good money. And I once I got, I didn't even have signal there. This is how rural it was. Like there was no cell service. I couldn't look it up till I got like two hours away. And then I started looking it up and the value of a destroyed one on eBay was asking $1,200. And I was like, okay, well. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Steven Peterson. If you're ready to set up a strong, reliable accounting system, one that's a real strong foundation for your business, well, we think we have the answer for you. If this is from Accounting We Will Go, you're here listening to us on this podcast. We set up a course, and it's called Amazon Accounting Simplified. Yep, simple. And we only say Amazon, yet it's really all across e-commerce. We're talking about integrating QuickBooks into your existing or new e-commerce business. And new is great because you could set it up right that way. But but if you have an existing business, how do you integrate? How do you get um, QuickBooks online specifically? How do you get set up in there? Well, we have modules. There's over 48 modules that will walk you through each one of those steps. We're going to talk about cost of goods. Not even talk about it. We're going to dive in, parse it, peel it back, and help you understand what it takes. How about chart of accounts? Setting up the right accounts, ones that you can use to make decisions. We've had hundreds of clients, and we come up what we see at have seen as the best practice, and I think that's going to be the best thing for you. Reconciling 1099s from PayPal and Amazon, good luck. Challenging. Well, we're going to have, we have modules, unique modules for each of those because they are unique. And so vendor management, accounting for Amazon loans, it goes on and on. I'm just skimming the top. There's 48-plus modules, and more will be added over time. It's going to help you get up, get set up or get caught up with strong foundational accounting books. Um, we use it to help make decisions. We use it to help predict cash and cash pinch points, which you're going to have. If you're buying inventory and you're waiting to get paid for it, you're going to run out of cash at some point. Wouldn't it be great to know? You know it's not great that it happens, but it's great to know when it's going to happen. So you can plan for it. You can make different decisions based on real solid information, historical information that you keep building. Best part about QuickBooks Online is our CPA signs right in and does his tax voodoo right through the system and so i don't have to hump it over there and we can get a little better rate by doing that so how do you find out more about it and again you should look into it amzaccountingsimplified.com forward slash podcast i'll say it again amzaccountingsimplified.com forward slash podcast check out all the different modules check out what you can do if you really want to get your house in order if you're really looking to get that building block established and then locked in place and then you can build from there then we recommend the course 
So you're looking for an advantage to help you woo a brand. Well, one of the tools that you can use is Scope. You could check out their product and then check out their competitors and find the keywords their competitors are using and check out theirs and see that they're not and then say, okay, I've got an idea. Let me do this. Let me enhance your brand. That's the thing you can bring to the marketplace. When you can enhance the brand, you're going to win that account. So try it. You get a free trial, but sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Use the code momentum and save 50 bucks. It's a free trial. Try it and see if you can enhance the brand. It's time to get the listings right. So what should you do? You should get your images right, right? So Amazing Freedom has a program to help you do that, and we've used them. It's phenomenal what they can do. you got to go look at this. So you go to amazingfreedom.com forward slash photos and take a look at the examples of what you can do with an image. You take and you give them some sample images, um, some simple images, and then what they do is they take and... Um, insert them with lifestyle uh, photos. And so all of a sudden, you're going to see an example of what a plain image looks like and then what it can be enhanced to. Why is this of value to you? Well, you're in the wholesale business. And guess what? You want to add value to the brand. And this is just a simple way to do it. They offer all those kinds of services. Scroll down to the bottom. If you really want somebody to help really improve this service and you want to bring value to that brand because you want exclusivity, the services uh, that they offer for um, listing enhancement will blow your mind. So, again, it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash photos. Take a look at what you can do for your brand that you're trying to get. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 384, Eric Spears, a.k.a. College Picker. Man, oh, man. I, I'm so inspired, you know, I, and I say that probably every episode because I get to talk to the most incredible people, but here's a perfect example um, that I'm going to use when somebody says, Steve, I want to leave my corporate job. How can I leave my corporate job? It's sucking my soul out. I'm going to say, okay, are you willing to make some trade-offs? Yes. Okay, great. Then come and listen to this episode. I'm going to direct them to this episode because here's a kid, it's a kid to me, I have a son older than him, so I can call him a kid, who has figured out what it takes to be debt-free. I mean, we didn't get to that part of the call, but he's completely debt-free by design. Now, the guy has a PharmD degree, and he's young. He should be paying payments for 30 years on that debt for college, yet he isn't because that was such a, a, a line in the sand for him, and he put himself through college. So that is a line in the sand, an absolute for him, his absolutes, and probably the most important absolute, and we never got to it in the story, but I am now because it's so important to him. But he has figured out a way to define his life, and he is married, so it's not like he's doing it alone, um, on his terms, and yet still sell an e-commerce, still enjoy all the thrill of the hunt and do it at the level that he wants for his life right now. He can ramp it up if he needs to. He can pull it back if he needs to. It's all done by design. So this is an episode for those of you who are looking to leave their corporate job are looking for another way. I just want you to keep an open mind and understand there'll be some trade-offs. This might be right for you. It might not be, but start thinking that these things are possible today. They are. Let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. I'm very excited about today's guest because he's got like one of the coolest jobs in addition to being an e-commerce seller, but he's got like one of the coolest, most modern things that I've heard of. Never, I never heard of it until I read it. I'm like, whoa. Um, but what I love is the consistency, uh, knowing who you are, 
being aware of who you want to be and not pretending to be anybody else, I just think is so rare today. And we're very lucky to have Eric Spears, a.k.a. the College Picker, on the show. Welcome, Eric. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, congratulations. You're almost at 400 podcasts. It's a lot of work you've put in, I can tell, on the website. Uh, I thank you very much. I've been very fortunate. Um, you know, I've been very lucky, and I've met some amazing. You know, it's funny. I tell people this all the time. They're like, "Well, how do you know so many people?" I'm like, "I put myself out there, and I I will help anybody." But I also, when I go to an event, I'm not the wallflower sitting in a corner. I'll go and talk to anybody because they all got great stories. I'm not some expert. They are, and I learn something from every single person I meet, let alone that I talk to on my podcast. Yeah, that's awesome that you can put it all together in an archive with just like all the good stories on your website and just have all these people that maybe they wouldn't have been able to have a platform to tell their stories on or get it out there. So it's very professional. I really like what you've been doing. Well, I appreciate um, that. It's not as nice as your doctorate, but it is an MBA in e-commerce, I would say. <laughs> well, I hope to add value to your all your listeners. I know a lot of them are Amazon sellers, not kind of what I do, the one-off flips, but I still hope to add some sort of new angle, add some value to their lives or maybe something you know all right i'm gonna blow your mind i have i'm pulling it up never lie 5176 active listings on ebay on this account i have more than one account okay 5176 top that my friend active SKUs on ebay so i am a flipper myself i uh in addition to amazon um so you will add value because you're going to teach me some things you know when i think about what you've done you started in college, period, correct? I mean, this was, hence the name, the college picker, right? You were in yeah, college was, when you got into this world. Absolutely, yeah. So Why, though? I, I mean, what was, it, what was it that you were trying to do? I mean, were you an entrepreneur? Because you're going to study to be a pharmacist. What, what, what was it that drew you here? I wasn't even studying to be a pharmacist at this point. I was still an undergrad not knowing what I wanted to do. Oh, wait, wait. And you I, were one of those undeclared undergrad unde students? Undeclared, but I, was, I knew I was in sciences because I enjoyed chemistry. I enjoyed biology. I enjoyed math. So I knew I wasn't going to go get like an art degree. So I was in sciences, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so, you know, were your parents cool with... Because I, I, both of my boys, uh, both of my boys are gra college graduates, and they were pretty specific in their career when they went in. I don't know if I would let them or if I would pay for an undeclared. How did that conversation go, Dad, Mom? Was, I'm going to figure well, it they, out. They weren't paying for anything. Oh, so okay, it, all right. So I guess they had no say. All right, no, yeah, right, no absolutely. Right. But it's still, I'm sure there's some concern. Like, what are you going to do with your life, Eric? What are you going to do? Well. I mean, my father is a pharmacist, so he did guide me towards my second and third years and kind of plant those seeds in my head for okay. job security. So that's kind of where that came in. But absolutely no entrepreneurial anything was was given to me from either of my parents, really. And I didn't even know, like, the entrepreneurial, like, mindset or any of that when I was in college. It was just kind of how I was doing things in order to save money or, or in order to pay for hobbies. And now, just I'm gonna we'll keep going, but I want to step. I want you to mentally step back. If you look backwards, though, now, did you recognize? Because you see talent and people who are really good at this business. Did you see some of the talent? And this is a little ego thing, but did you see that you had some of that talent then, and you just didn't call it that? And then it was like, oh, this just clicks. I was persistent on Craigslist, and just always like 
searching for for something like at the beginning it was all motorcycles i was buying and selling motorcycles so i was always on craigslist and i think that grind maybe i can look back and see that and maybe recognize that as a quality Hmm. but but my two roommates were doing the same thing and they're totally the opposite of me now so well they're out of the business or they're into whatever they're doing we all three of us at one point were flipping motorcycles out of our garage that we were renting (laughs) And I think I sold between like 20 and 24 motorcycles in my undergrad career. And that's really how I started the whole reselling business is just buying motorcycles off Craigslist, either fixing them or just taking better pictures and then selling them back on Craigslist, floating the titles. I didn't even know what that was called until like I got out of college and talked to some car dealerships and stuff. But they were doing the same thing as I was buying these motorcycles and getting them at good prices and then kind of bringing them to a different market or just taking better pictures. And they're not doing any of that now. They've kind of fallen off of the whole flipping train. What were motor, you were obviously interested in motorcycles or someone was. Well, parking was so expensive on campus, 200 Ah. bucks. Well, to a college student, 200 bucks a year, right? That's (laughs) a lot of change, I guess, in $2,006. So parking was $200. 30 minutes to find a spot when you lived off campus was also a pain in the butt when you're trying to get to class. So motorcycle parking was in the front. Motorcycle parking permits were only $40 a year. So mm-hmm. I had the idea, brought it to my roommates because you don't want to do it by yourself. You want to take your buddies. Let's all go get our motorcycles licenses at the same time, get some little motorcycles and start riding a class. It was a lot like a lot better on us, on our wallet and just on our time doing that instead of trying to park. And so so then you realized, hey, there are other people looking at you saying, I could use one of those motorcycles too, right? I mean, is that kind of, was that the thinking that that would be the marketplace to sell to other students? I didn't even think of the market. I just had bought one and then I wanted to upgrade. Ah, so I, okay. I started with a 600cc Ninja. No, Ninja, sorry, 250cc Ninja, Ninja 250. And I bought it for a thousand. I put a little, maybe fifty to a hundred dollars worth of work into it, but I sold it for fourteen or fifteen hundred. Sweet. And I was like, "What the heck? How did I buy this?" And then I rode it for a year, and then I sold it for more than I paid for it. And it just like something clicked. Something clicked. Um, did Did you think the market was bigger than just college students too? I mean, were you thinking that you know that there's a whole world out there? Like, I mean, I I don't know how you know how deep you were into Craigslist and the rest of that at that point? My mind couldn't comprehend how big markets were at that point. It was, it was, we were so niched down to motorcycles. We were buying them and just selling them to whoever from Craigslist to Craigslist. I think I might've sold one on eBay because the local market was too small. And we were also selling uh, accessories. If the, if the bike came with like a spare exhaust, we would sell the parts on eBay. Oh, sweet. Now, most people, when I think of college students selling stuff, I would think of college textbooks. Almost, you know, every college student, you know, the van pulls up with the balloons on the outside and you would sell stuff. Or yeah. if you wanted to hustle them yourself, you'd put them up on Amazon or eBay, that kind of thing. But motorcycles is a new one to me. I love it. I love it. Especially <laughs> right. 24. That's material. I mean, that's not like, you know, hey, I sold three bikes. You know, I'm an yeah, expert. Yeah, we sold, we had, at one point, there were, I think, eight or nine bikes in the garage. I wasn't home, but my roommate told me the cops came Checked all the vids, thought they were stolen. All the titles, sure. thought it was a chop shop, thought it was stolen. Yeah. Oh, so somebody called and reported you guys. <laughs> yeah, we were we were in a deed restricted community, and they did not like that we were working on motorcycles in the garage. So, so that worked well. You made additional money. What did you think that you were going to do? I mean, 
because I know that we're going to get to what you do because I think it's just so cool. He still sells, so don't get me wrong. But <laughs> did you at one point say, this is going to be my future. I'm giving up my non-declared degree and I'm going to go and flip motorcycles no. and become a dealer or anything no, like that. No, no, nothing. No, that no, never was it. You didn't no, have that dream. No, it was just a step. I knew it was just a step, a season of my life. Um, That's I knew mature. I gonna... I'm just telling you because most people aren't that way. They're always running away from I, I get all the time, Steve, how do I leave my corporate job? How do I leave my corporate job? How do I leave it? No, I, yeah, it was school was what I knew. I've been in, you know, I've been in elementary, middle, high school at this point. I didn't take a gap year. I didn't know what the world was like. All I knew was school. Hmm. Well, I want to jump to your job because what I would say to you is you have figured out how to leave corporate America. Right. I mean, it's, it's in not a like, sense. Yeah. yeah. In a sense, because, you know, we're, we're talking in our pre-call. Well, so so you did work for Walgreens uh, for six months, right? Yeah. As, as soon as I graduated, I took my boards, passed my boards um, or well, I took a trip before I did my boards. But anyways, I passed my boards and I got a job at Walgreens just because when you're a new grad, you, if you don't have a connection, you just kind of take anything. So you have a degree, you have a PharmD, PharmD degree, which is four years postgraduate. I mean, so this is... You've four been years ex- postgraduate, or it's, if you do the prerequisites right, you can get into certain pharmacy schools, but it's still going to be considered a doctorate degree, yeah. It's a long time you were in school, right? Yeah. And so rather than stay in corporate America and you're working for Walgreens, which is, I think, the biggest pharmacist out there right now, I think they're the largest, um, you said, no, I don't think so. Um, probably against dad's advice too, but you now describe what you do. Cause it blows my mind. I mean, I just never heard the, I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> so I, I was dragging my feet going to Walgreens every day and I knew something wasn't right. I was not excited to get up, not excited to go to my job. And I, uh, had just talked to some people that I had graduated with. And one girl went out to the Indian reservations and started working a permanent job for the, um, health and human services for Navajo nation. She was working or not for Navajo Nation, she was working for a Zuni tribe um, for the Commission Corps. It's, it's a, like a health, human health services part of the government that takes care of Indian health care, Indian, IHS, Indian Health Services. So she had told me that that's where she was working, she really enjoyed it, and that they have these things called contractors that come in and fill gaps in employment where if somebody either uh, moves to a different reservation or gets promoted or, or, or quits... Gets or, pregnant, right? They're out or yeah, pregnancy. anything where right. there's a where there's, where there's a gap in employment, they hire these third party contracting companies to find third party contracting pharmacists come in, pay you an hourly rate, depending on the terms, whatever you you can negotiate a rate or per diem, depending on the company, it just dep- it all just depends. And you go to these places for anywhere between two and a half weeks. I think I worked my shortest contract, and. Or indefinitely. Like, there is always work. I'm constantly getting emails of different places that do need work. And I've developed a reputation within IHS to where people will come to me for work and offer the work for me. He'll saying, go anywhere. Well, any, it's anywhere there's a need where it's rural, where other people don't want to go because maybe there's not a grocery store within an hour. Yeah, or, but what is it that makes you want to do that? Because I know it's going to be, because I've seen your pictures of you traveling all around the world. I mean, I've watched this for over time. What is it that makes you willing to go to that place that they just described, that there's no grocery store within an hour? What is it in you? There's so many reasons that I love this job more so than working behind the desk at Walgreens or behind the counter at Walgreens, it, it serves a people that have been pillaged and underserved mm. for so long. Just it's, it's terrible 
the whole what what we did to the Native Americans is terrible. So to be able to serve a, a population and them to be very thankful for it, it's a, it sets a completely different tone than a corporate Walgreens where it's about profits. It's not about patients. It's about profits. So that tone itself is already making the job have a way better attitude and just at the beginning. The pay, of course, is better because it's rural. They need people to get out there, so there's monetary incentives. But you're in beautiful rural parts of the country where it hasn't been developed necessarily to to even pavement or touched by human hands within the last thousand years, you know. It's there's some places that are just so beautiful and so peaceful that I I can get enjoyment about uh, from going hiking instead of necessarily have to have like a Walmart or a Target or a mall or something. I don't need those things. Like I just really enjoy the the work and the the beauty of how rural it is and how it's a different cultural experience every time I go to a different place. Well, I want to unpack this a little bit more because, you know, I'm thinking about the person that you're replacing, the temporary position. You both have a different attitude about that place, right? I'm not, and, and I'm, you know, maybe I'm putting everybody in a bucket, but it, generally speaking, I think it is. They're seeing it as a corporate job that they have to go, oh, go back to the grind. You're seeing it as an adventure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's new thrift stores. It's new you're thrift doing the stores. same it's, job. It's a perspective, yeah. it, but it's perspective, right? Totally, totally. And even other contractors, because uh, it, it's a small it's a, it's a niche of a niche of pharmacy. So everybody knows everybody and the other contractors, what they say about them, their attitudes, their mannerisms, just how unthankful they are for the job. It's the fact that I even get to sit in a chair instead of stand is just phenomenal. Like working for the government rather than for a corporation, the the stress level is just so much better and uh, I could go on and on. Well, no, but what excites me, I mean, it's a couple things. So this is what my why I'm, I'm interested in this, because that person asks me all the time, Steve, how do I get out of my corporate job? How do I, this is how. Now, Eric's got trade-offs. I mean, this isn't easy, I'm sure. And if you had yeah, kids, obviously. it would make it, it's trade-offs and stuff. Absolutely. But I haven't been, spent Thanksgiving or Christmas with my family if I'm ever working a contract, things like that, where it just, it's a trade-off. And now I'm married, my wife has to see me go for months at a time if... I want to go work. So it's just, yeah, like so you said. So that's an issue. But but here's the thing. Who's more secure, you or that person working for that corporate pharmacist or pharmacy? Who's more secure? I, it sounds to me like you said there's work. You always have work. I think you're more secure, and yet you don't have the security of having that job. And my reason I'm saying this is this weekend we were at a family event, and uh, a relative, uh, 55 years old, um, worked for BP Oil. Uh, the Castrol division, and it was just let go, him at 55 years old and 20% of the workforce eliminated completely. And he did nothing wrong, and neither did those others, and the corporates, blah, blah, blah. You, because of the ability to adapt and, and fill in, you probably have more security than anybody working in that pharmacy that's a permanent employee. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I, I would say that. And the I, I'm not working because I need necessarily need the money. I, I don't see it as that. I'm working because I really want to keep my license kind of uh, relevant and provide an opportunity for myself to just visit other places and develop connections with these people and have have, having an impact. Yeah. yeah, Have an impact on wherever I go and just to bring, I bring light to the pharmacy. Like even the, the permanent employees there might feel like they're in a grind and I try to always just like lighten it up and, 
be, be very thankful for where I'm at and just meet new people and learn new experiences from what they've had. Uh, I was working with a bunch of, I learned a lot about Mormonism when I was in my last contract because a lot of the guys there were Mormon and it was just really interesting just to come converse every day. And I would never have had that opportunity otherwise. I think this is going to, I'm going to be using this example so many times because I get so many people who say, Steve, what do I do? I'm in, I I, I got to get out of my, my world. Now, What's cool is you're still in the e-commerce world, and we're going to get there next. But, but to me, this is a perfect example of what's available today. This was not available oh, yeah. when your dad, more than likely, I'm saying. Well, they did it, but it wasn't as easily accessible because okay. the internet is what connected me to my yeah, first contract. Right. Nobody would know it, right? It would have been somebody would have had yeah, to know somebody, was, would have known somebody or something. Yeah. It was a lot more secret then than yeah, it, was, than it yeah. is now. But this whole world exists in every industry, in every company, this kind of ability to work from home. If you have kids and you want to work from home, there are jobs working from home. They might not be as glamorous, and there might be tra- well, there definitely are trade offs. But this world didn't exist when I was working back in the day when I was trying to figure this out. So to me, you're a perfect example of somebody who has figured it out and understands there are trade offs. But but back in the day, you had to move to get a job. Well, that's a trade off, isn't it? Right? Oh so, yeah, absolutely. So, I had so, to go somewhere I've never been. It was scary. I didn't have a place to stay. Yeah. So I, I just it blows my mind. I'm just I'm I'm giddy over it because I just think it's so cool. Never heard of it, never knew it existed. Now I'm gonna tell thousands of people about it because it's just yeah, such it, a cool story. And and in case your your viewers wanna know, it's not just limited to pharmacy. It's nursing, it's pharmacy technicians, it's anything related really to healthcare. You can bring that skill to the to anywhere on a rural reservation. They are usually they usually have either a permanent position or a contract position for that. Doctors, dentists, for sure. Dentists are in high need. And where do you find this stuff out for this? Physical therapists. You would just type in your profession and then travel, like travel pharmacy, travel nursing, travel dentistry, or Indian reservation, uh, or contract dentistry, and just start Googling that, and then you could find... find, Or you can even cold call hospitals. Like, I've gotten to to the point where if you really want to find find work you can call the hospitals talk to the director of that department and just ask who is who does the contracting for you guys and then link up with that company you know i i've done a bunch of interviews with digital nomads you know the ones that just work from you know they bring their laptop and they can work from anywhere in this it, i mean it's it's similar i mean it obviously it's a little different but generally speaking it's very similar that it's you're a nomad you're you know you're you hang you live where you hang your hat right as that song goes right it's, <laughs> it's pretty cool to me that this world exists and it doesn't limit you so the, the the you know when i ask always what channels do you sell on ebay amazon etsy instagram local markets period so here you are not living in one place for ever right you're moving around yeah, and you're able to still year. have a business how's that work it's it gets confusing at times, but I, I don't have a lot of inventory. Like you you dropped your numbers, you had like over five thousand listings on eBay. I have like two hundred listings on eBay. I have maybe hundred and fifty listings on Etsy. I don't pull huge numbers, but it's definitely a nice boost to my income. It's a it allows me to to find a nice things for me and my family and even to people that follow me on Instagram and offer things at way lower costs than they would be at MSRP. Well, it also, though, it's another reason that you have more security than that guy that's working at that one pharmacist, right? Because, again, I'm giving my example. This My, my uh, relative, 20% of the workforce is cut. It, he's gone. I mean, it wasn't yeah. his fault. And he's, you know, 
That was that's what happens at these companies. If uh, and they don't have a plan B skill. They don't have a plan B skill, and they don't have the ability to push that up, right? You can collect unemployment, but unemployment is not enough to live on. So the ability to push these other things up at when they need to or pull it back when they need to. Because I am assuming that sometimes your life gets a little hectic, right? Or, you know, whatever. Everything comes to a... You can scale it back if you want to and then ramp it up as you as you need, right? Yeah, this year I've been doing a lot more in just my gross sales because I'm not working a pharmacy contract. Uh, this year I'm taking it off. I'm not working pretty much, I don't think, for the rest of the year. And yeah, I no, can, wait, people I, just got jealous. The mic, you just dropped the mic right then and there. And well, everybody's I, like, I finished a contract. Oh, in I finished my contract in February. They want me to come back in October uh, because I just did. I did such a good job. They they would love to have me to come back. And I I don't know if my wife's going to let me come back. She loves having me at home. And I'm not even at home right now. I'm in Florida. She's in Texas. Dude, I, I just again, I mean, I, I just want people who it because it used to be, you know, all right, Eric. Go get another job. Send out a hundred resumes. You know, oh, make gosh. you know all that stuff that used to happen doesn't happen anymore and doesn't need to happen. So those of you who ask me all the time, Steve, how do I leave my full time job? And I'm not saying that this is for everyone, but this exists, and I, I think this exists in other industries. I think there are lots of companies that would say, "Hey, we take a, a temporary uh, a hire for whatever because it's a benefit issue that they can." There's a whole bunch of th- reasons. Yeah, that it's a 1099s a lot easier. Yeah, they love all that stuff, right? But but what's cool to me is again that this is a way of life today, and that's this is going to be a great example of somebody who can do that and stay in the e-commerce and build up your e-commerce because. What's cool about your contract, too, is you fulfill your contract for the day or whatever that means. You have the rest of that time to yourself to be able to work on your business if you choose to, correct? Yeah. And if I'm in an area that has the good – like in my little niche of e-commerce, I'm like one-offs. So I need thrift stores and garage sales and and ways to source inventory. So if I'm in an area where it has that or I have to save it for the weekend and make a trip. Uh, how cool is that that you still – I mean do you still have the thrill of the hunt? With, oh, yeah. uh, with thrift stores and yard sales still. Now, you've been doing this uh, a long time. Well, it, it, it's it's like the dopamine receptors are, are a lot less sensitive than they used to be. Okay. But so not quite as much of a thrill. It it can be. I don't know if you heard about the jacket flip, but I found that during my last contract. No. What, what, oh, hold yeah. on. What is this? So so <laughs> one of the weekends I was working, uh, it, it was in northern Arizona, southern Utah, and I went to a yard sale and bought a uh, vintage Levi's jacket from uh, from a yard sale. You know, it was a dollar fifty, and I thought maybe it was worth like five hundred, maybe it was like a thousand dollars. So it's like an that. old yeah, Levi's it's a big jacket. E, it's a big E type, big E okay, type big two e, blanket right. line jacket. Beautiful condition. This was workwear, so you're thinking that it would have been trashed. Most of them would have been trashed. I knew it was early because it was a big E, you know, pre 1973 or whatever it is, and being in such good condition. I was like, this thing has to be worth like really good money. And I once I got, I didn't even have signal there. This is how rural it was. Like there was no cell service. I couldn't look it up till I got like two hours away. And then I started looking it up, and the value of a destroyed one on eBay was asking twelve hundred dollars. And I was like, okay, well, mm. I need to do a little bit more research on this. And I did it, and I talked to some people that I know in the the flipping one off world, and they told me, well, you're probably going to get about three thousand dollars for it. Holy Something like thirty five hundred. Well, I posted it up on Etsy asking seventy two hundred, and last oh, two weeks ago, somebody messaged me from Japan in Japanese. He asked me, "You know how they do? Will you take a discount or whatever?" 
So I made a di- made the discount to $5,700 is what we agreed on, and it's on its way to Japan right now. Oh, my God. I'm, I, my jaw is on the ground. For a jacket, you paid $1.50. However, you know, and I, I say this all the time, I'm, I'm a noticer. You have a skill set. You you recognize that there's clearly something there because it's not like you could look it up and use your crutch like we all do. Yeah. I, I, and I, I'm guilty of it too, so I'm not judging. I'm just saying. It was such low risk that it really didn't take any skill. It was $1.50. I knew it was going to sell for at least 500 bucks, but I wasn't really sure. I had never found Big E before. I'm in Florida. We, I, we don't really have, I don't know, as much history as out West because Levi's is like, it's a, what is it? A California, it was a California company. So it went out West and kind of took a while to get to Florida. So the older stuff isn't really here as much. Never found it before, but Incredible. Oh, dude, that's a great story. Jesus. That's that's probably one of the best stories I've heard of uh, people getting the most money for something that they paid yeah, the, the least. Yeah, the one-off Roy. Yeah, yeah, the one-off. It's a Hall of Famer for one-off Roy. It's crazy. Well, but could is it fair to say that, you know, because you're traveling and you have an eye, you I, you have to be more picky, right? You're probably oh, much more picky. Yeah, so that's good. Picky. Yeah. If I'm not getting 40 to $50 on an item, I'm usually not going to pick it up unless it is really small or it sells really fast or it's multiples. Now, are you shipping from the road too? If if I have a contract, I'm usually I have a home base somewhere near that city. Mm-hmm. So I have well I usually just rent like a bedroom in somebody's house or something. I find somebody local rent a bedroom, so I'll just ship from there really. Okay. And so you're bringing your supplies, which is really not very much. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. very yeah, very little. When okay. you, you can just source boxes and or just buy. You get the eBay uh, quarterly allowance of the boxes and stuff. So it's and not you keep them in the trunk of your car. You really don't have a lot of space. I mean, so this is absolutely doable. And you know, I'm not sharing your numbers, but you you're doing a respectable amount of money. I mean, you know, with it's some not- people. <laughs> It's it's nothing compared to like the drop shippers or the Amazon guys that that private label, but the the margins are so big, like a dollar fifty to fifty seven hundred dollars, right? To where the cost of goods is like it's pennies. So oh it doesn't. God, that's such a cool story, dude. And again, it's the lifestyle by design, right? You travel a lot because you want to travel a lot, right? So would you say you are a nomad? I mean, is that a fair statement? Yeah, I I have come up with a term for this. <laughs> I haven't stayed in the same place, I don't think, for over a year in the last 11 years. Like the same residence. Like it's always been a different address, either with the, if, even if it's within the same city or I go to a different city, but it's like within the last 11 years. Now, and why is that? I mean, why, what is it that's so attractive to you about, about being that? Because it's not like you say it with, with like remorse. You're like enthused about it still. Oh yeah, when I'm in when I'm in college, I'm looking for a better a deal on an apartment or a, a better way to save money. So we're gonna move to this address and we're gonna like cram six people into a one bedroom, one bath. Or when my, my wife got a job, she was in Thailand uh, in 2017. It was let's go to Thailand. So we're gonna go to Thailand, and I'm enthusiastic. Yeah, I'm enthused about it. Like it's a new place to explore food and culture. And so there's just that now that it, there's a twist in it with the wife and you have to work yeah. out that there's a, you know, obviously, you know, I always say husband and wife are one, right? When the couple gets together, they're one, right? So exactly. now it's a different discussion, right? So this, yeah. you have to be considerate of other people here. We we weren't married until about a year ago. So yeah, it's, it was, it's different now. But still she, working? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, she, she knows, she knows who I am. She knows my okay. intentions. She knows I'm not looking at women. I'm looking at the bicycle. Like if, if a woman's riding a bike down the street and I check it out, I'm not looking at the woman. I'm looking at the bicycle. <laughs> hey, I could get, I could get 200 bucks for that thing. If you want exactly. To I'm like, what, what brand is that? Like what, what style of bike is that? How new is it? What kind of components are on it? Like I'm checking the bike out. I'm not checking out the woman. She knows this. So, you know, thinking about, you know, somebody else wanted to do this. If it, what, what strengths do you have, do you think, that, that you bring to the table that others can maybe might be able to recognize in themselves? I mean, have you thought about it? I know it's an ego thing, but, I mean, think about it and be honest. Well, being a one-off seller, I have developed a recognition of quality just by, like, picking something up, looking at the, the stitching or the, the construction of the fabric. Uh, of course, the brands, you know, the brand tells you a lot and just— well, how did you develop that? Because obviously the it's, brands you could look up. I mean, that's a good one. But you can look up the texture. brands, but still, even within brands, there's tiers. Yeah. So you got to kind of break down the different. Well, Levi's. So Levi's is a good one. There's a Walmart level Levi's, and then there's a real level Levi's, right? And then there's a vintage level Levi's. Yeah. Back when it was like made with raw denim. So it, there's totally different tiers of items. And even, even that, it was a lot of just experience of touching things, looking things up, being curious about the brands and cruising websites and looking at eBay completed. So for so many years and just be having a curiosity and not having a, a, a laziness to, to just accept this is what it is. I like to dig deeper and, and go farther and figure out kind of why. I walk past so many things that were I used to because I didn't, I'm like, yeah, they're not worth it. And then you go and you're like, oh my God. And then it's like your whole world opens up and like, you know, I've walked past that 17 times. I never thought that that was possible, right? You walk past the jacket, the Levi's jacket. Yeah, it's worth that worth $700. You're killing me here. Uh, no, but I, and I always tell people this is if, especially if you're going to be a, uh, in this picking world, right? If you want to buy and resell one-offs, um, go to these antique malls and walk through them. Oh, absolutely. And just touch yeah. and touch pick stuff. up everything, right? And then pay attention to this because I uh, this is dumb, Steve. I see this little shave mug and I'm like, oh, or no, Red Ranger mug. Everybody who's listening is cringing right now because they all know what I'm talking about. This little Red Ranger mug. I think it's Red Ranger or whatever it is. And then I thought, oh, my God, that's got to be worth some things. That's got to be from the 50s TV show or something like that, radio show. Wow. And then as you walk through the antique mall and you see seven other booths with that same mug, <laughs> your mind has to stop and say, okay, it's old, but not rare. But not rare. And but not obviously, rare. if they're all here, there's not a huge market of, of people wanting them. Or there's a large <laughs> supply, so yeah. stay away, right? And and, and that though, takes time. And so I, I like to just walk through. And, and sometimes if I just want to get my head clear, I'll go wander for half an hour. No, and I won't bring my wallet in just to wander and touch and just, you know, look things up on the phone and get an idea and like, huh, surprising, you know, and then I run out to my car and get my wallet and I buy something. But anyway, because I, I have that addiction. But um, it's a great way to do it. How about for you? How, uh, I mean, how much time are you putting into thrift stores and garage sales? The thing, people ask me that question all the time, and I've never really tracked it. It's more of a convenience thing for me. If I'm going to the gym and there's one on the way, hey, I'll stop in, pop in for five minutes, do a round, and look for something. I mean, is it if, a round for you? I mean, you literally like scan the oh, room. Oh, yeah. And I just, like I, things... It's quick. It's okay. it's in and out. Quick. Just I've been doing it for so long. I, I go to the same stores. I know their habits and... I kind of look what's the new color. Okay, obviously, if it's a new, if it's an old color, usually a, a gem is not going to be there after a week. So, you kind of can just ignore a lot of the old colors a lot of the time, and you you figure out what works for you. 
And, and so that, that's a pro tip there. So by going to the same pace, place consistently and paying attention and noticing or asking questions, you'll be able to find out when they are putting new inventory out, right? And, and then, you know, kind of hopefully get your schedule aligned with that. Yeah. Well, they usually put it out all day, every day, and you just it, – it really is a luck of the draw at some time. It's like playing the lottery kind of, and the more frequently you go, the more times you play the lottery, you're eventually going to hit it. But to me, when I when I stop in for five or ten minutes, it doesn't cost me a whole lot. But when I do hit it, it's usually pretty good, like a two hundred dollar item, five hundred dollar item. Well, what's that come at the cost of? Because they, I had a friend who used to say that, Steve. Everything costs something. So, what are you giving up for that five minutes? What are you giving up sitting in front of a TV, especially if you're traveling? Well, I'm giving up five minutes. I could be doing something else. Um, but I enjoy the going in, just walking around. Some I'll say hi to the employees. Like it, the entire experience to me brings joy. So it's not really giving up something else. I don't do Netflix. I don't do TV. I don't play video games. So that none of that stuff really brings joy to me anymore. So I don't feel like I'm losing anything there. I could be spending it with my wife, but she's working. So I'm not really losing anything there either. It's just, it's occupying time and it's giving me joy. So I don't know. That's a good question. That's a great question. I, I don't know. Hmm. You know, the nomad lifestyle that you lead, I think it's conducive to the one-offs. Now you could and I, maybe let me ask you why you haven't. Why haven't you gotten into either the drop shipping or the um, uh, buying wholesale or uh, private label for Amazon and and putting up huge numbers? Why haven't and using prep centers and stuff like that? Why haven't? What's not attractive to you for that? Excellent question. Um, so I have a conviction for consumer uh, against consumerism against waste, and to to me those types of selling, I, it's not for me because it creates a lot of waste in this in the world um, products that are just going to break and and have to be rebought the chinese quality things compared to something that's going to last for 50 years 100 years outlive somebody's life uh, life's their lifespan so for me it's a conviction thing um, I, hmm. I don't really see myself getting into that just because i am so cheap that i'm like i'm hyper frugal if that's even a term i'm such a tight well, wad. But that's a skill. As I'm sitting here listening to you, what you're describing, and I'm sure other people have picked up on this. When you bought when you bought that dollar fifty jacket, it wasn't the dollar fifty that you were attracted to. It was the texture and the quality of it, right? Yeah, and I knew Biggie. I knew I knew Biggie. But, I just but that's didn't my know. point is that that you know you're looking you're you're not going in looking for things to sell. You're going in looking for quality, and then maybe you could sell it. Yeah, I, but that's my, a different approach. Was, my thought process usually goes, do I need this? Does anyone I know need this? Does does any of my friends or family need this? Or anyone that I work with tell me that they're looking for something like this? Or can I sell this and make a good profit on it? And like keep it keep it in the world of being used rather than in a dumpster somewhere. When you're looking at quality, are you looking at the top one or two brands? So let's just say you're looking at um, electronic equipment. Might be a good example, right? Okay. Are you looking for iPhones and maybe I don't know what a number two is because I've had an iPhone forever. Um, I mean, is that is that kind of the mental approach you look for, or or like when you're looking at jean jackets, you're looking for Levi's, maybe I don't know, maybe Lee jeans might fit up in there back in the old ones anyway. But then the rest of them are just non-branded, or maybe Harley Davidson might fit in there or something. You know what I mean? Is there is there kind of a one or two that you're looking the top one or two of each brand? I'm trying to the help help the others I, narrow it down. Yeah, it's a, it's such a weird type of reselling. So the people that have like never even stepped foot in a thrift store would be so overwhelmed, but 
for for the newer phones, it's usually not going to be trickling down into the secondhand market at thrift stores and garage sales that often. Uh, what I'm going to be looking at are like old receivers or, or DVD VCR combos, things that have already kind of had their their time in in e-commerce space. They've already been discontinued. They're not really made anymore. And then figuring out out of those discontinued items, what still has a market because there's a limited supply. Hmm. Okay. All right. So I'm just hoping people can narrow that down themselves to say, okay, when you're going in, rather than looking, because in, in the Amazon world, right, if we're going retail arbitraging, scan everything, right, Eric? Yeah. I want you to get in, You're taking this row, go down that side, then come back this side, because you never know, right? You never know. But when you're doing it with your hands and you have limited time, I guess, unless people have unlimited time, but you've got to, you've got to, pick and choose. And again, if you know the top brands and you know the top brands in that isolated market, you can really narrow down your focus. <laughs> Sometimes it. it's not, people always, they harp on brands, but I would say brand style and quality are all things that kind of need to be considered if you want to take your, to your thrifting game to the next level. Brand style and quality all matter. Cause something could be, you, uh, you know, the the Biggie Smalls sweaters or the Cosby sweaters, the Coogee sweaters. Have you yeah. seen those oh, on Instagram? The, the, well, they used to be worth a fortune. Yeah. Well, the Coogee ones are still really good. And anything Coogee style will still sell. But that's an example of just like a style thing. Like it could be an off-brand, but it would still sell because it's Coogee style. Well, Robert Graham shirts would be another one, right? You, everybody's copying kind of – you could see the you see the color on the inside of the collar. You're like, ooh, is that it? And then you look and it's yeah. – you know, but uh, JC the Penny. Is, but, but the thing is that it doesn't cross over for the Robert Graham style shirts. It only crosses over for the Kooji style sweaters. So then you might be misled thinking, okay, this looks like a Robert Graham shirt, so I'm going to buy it. But it's actually an Alan Fusen and it's not worth anything. Not worth so anything. It could, it's so specific. Everything is so super specific that if you don't know your stuff, you'll end up with a pile of garbage at your house. And you, and it never sells. I mean, if you go and look up whatever that brand you just said, there's there's probably a thousand of them for sale that have never sold, right? I mean, it's one of those things that you'll it'll just be there forever. Yeah, it was a brand that saw the success of Robert Graham, and they thought, okay, we're going to make something similar in style and sell it for a little bit cheaper, and hopefully, it takes off. Well, you see like. it in uh, uh, yoga pants is a good example, right? Uh, yeah, a lot of right? everyone's copying off a of Lululemon now. Yeah, and you know, and now you can buy them for six dollars on Amazon, and they're yeah. similar. They're not the same. And but they don't have the lifetime guarantee of Lululemon or the status symbol of the Omega symbol. or. But most people won't care, and they'll pay the $6, but you're not going to make yeah. any money. So what do you think – I mean, when you – like when you're going out there, what do you struggle with? Because, you know, we're talking about all the great things that's happening. What do you, what do you struggle with? I mean, it's still – there must be some things that just don't work well. In in the e-commerce side yeah, or just yeah, like especially the, the traveling – I think the traveling e-commerce world, I think, would be a good good place to go. It's hard to scale. It, it would be it's it's hard to scale up when I'm on the go a lot. I kind of hover around 200 to 250 items, and that's kind of like what I can handle. Being being so mobile and moving all the time, it's definitely hard to scale and focus on one task that I just want to increase. But that's that's units, not dollars, because as you said, you can you you're picky now. So rather than selling and making oh, yeah. three dollars on an item, you're going to try to make thirty or dollars. Yeah, on an I, would, item. I wouldn't touch anything for three dollar profit. I I did an ASP an, an ASP calculation of all my March sales, and I released it on YouTube yesterday. And I believe my eBay was a sixty five dollar wow. ASP. That's awesome. 
and because the jean jacket sold on Etsy, it brought my Etsy ASP to like eight hundred and fifty-seven dollars. <laughs> like the six, the six items that I sold. How did you know to sell that on Etsy, not eBay? Because I, I would have, I initially would have went to eBay. So that's a good question. Also, a lot of people have been asking me that on Instagram. Um, so there, there is an established market on eBay, and there was not an established market on Etsy. And I wanted to drive more traffic to my Etsy store, and I wanted this sale to maybe be um, be recognized by Etsy as a, a platform saying maybe this was the largest clothing sale on Etsy ever, and maybe they could do some an article of coverage or something like that saying, hey, this this is like a crazy Etsy sale, and that would bring some something new to their platform because I know things on eBay have sold for more than fifty seven hundred dollars. Oh yeah, for sure in the clothing sector, but I've never heard of that on Etsy. Hmm. So you saw it possibly as a marketing um, aspect. Uh, marketing, to your business, I, yeah. And, and Eric Spears' marketing aspect. I mean, right? You were like, hey, I can get more traffic, more eyes on my store. Yeah, I'll sell and more it's less, fee, less fees on Etsy. And I don't know. I just, yeah. I love it. That's genius. Obviously, it was the right move. I mean, clearly, it was the right move. There were three or four of them on eBay. So why not separate a little bit on a platform that still gets a good amount of traffic for vintage clothing? Yeah, because I have a, a, a guy who messaged me uh, this morning and he's messaged me three times and I'm almost to the place of telling him to stop messaging me. He's, you, you have this overpriced. And I'm like, no, I don't. I know I don't. But he's like, I have these in my back room and that I'm like, and, and, you know, get your prices. I'm like, look, I'll offer you five bucks for yours if you want to sell them to me. Sure, I'll put them up, uh, you know. And it's just like people think that their price is the right price and the mar they don't understand the market. So I, I think it's a genius move. When you look at your habits, right, I was thinking about this too, because one thing must be when the way you're doing things, you must be disciplined. I mean, is that fair? Yeah, I have, cert I have discipline in certain aspects of my life. So, so share with some of, uh, what are some of the discipline uh, things that, that you do to keep, uh, or that have become habits that keep you organized and on task? Um, or organization is something that everyone's always trying to improve upon. Um, but one of the, the habits that I just, as a person, as my e-commerce career, my, whatever I'm doing on Instagram at the time, like a habit to, that just has me growing as a person, it's not related to organization at all, but I'm always sharpening my saw. Like I'm always trying to learn from other people, mm -hmm. no matter who I'm talking to, if it's a homeless guy, if it's somebody that's in the hospital that has a broken leg or is just recovering from surgery or if it's somebody getting kind of getting counseled on their diabetes like I'm always trying to learn something from somebody I'm always it's the habit seven from the highly uh seven habits of highly effective people sharpening the saw just always trying to learn a new skill uh, gain more information um if I'm trying to like this year I'm trying to learn how to sew like I've never learned how to sew in my life I just want to learn a new skill to share and have that skill. Maybe it'll, it'll lower cost of my life somehow, or maybe I'll be able to create a product that I can sell, but I'll have a skill that I can, they can have as like a plan B, C, D, A, E, F, if something else fails and I could help somebody else if they were trying to learn the same skill. Hmm. And how about when you said organization for shipping and stuff like that, what, how do you approach that? Because I mean, when you buy things, are you bagging them, tagging them, putting anything in? Like, I mean, how do you find this stuff? So a lot of it's clothing, so you just hang it up. And having oh, okay. less less than 250 items is not pretty easy deal. to, yeah, not a big deal at all to where I've had to have an inventory. I don't have to do the inventory system or custom SKUs. And... But are you a minimalist yourself? Mm, 
for I like to my, I tell my wife I am, but she's like, you're not. Okay. <laughs> she's like, you're not. You have like a hundred Patagonia jackets. Okay. You're not a minimalist. Okay. Right. I was just wondering because I wondered if. But I, the thing is, I don't need much. Like I'm not attached to those things. Like I go, I give stuff away on Instagram at what I paid for it for. If somebody else is maybe a Green Bay Packers fan and I have a hat and I found it, and I'll, I'll offer it to them at what I paid for it, or I'll give something away that I. I've found to, I don't know, bless somebody else in their life. And I don't feel it's attached to, to the many things that I, I have a lot of things, but I don't feel attached to them. Now, we, and I, I'm, we're almost to the end and I have a final question I'm going to ask you, but I want to, let's just talk real quick about uh, your involvement with the green room. Um, so it's uh, you, Chris and Steve, correct? You're still involved. Yep. And I uh, appreciate you. You joined, I think, in like 2016. I've you been were, a member for a yeah, long time. I still you're, have you're, never made a meetup. My big goal is to come <laughs> to hang out with Chris and go for And I won't eat the taco shell, but I want some of those damn tacos he's always eating. I always tell him, I'm like, Chris, I'm coming. One of these days, I'm going to make it to Austin. I promise, one of these days. <laughs> Just eat the, the filling with a fork. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you guys have been, yeah, you guys have been out there forever. And what I, what I admire, and I look at people for the long play, right? You guys have been doing this for a long time. And to stay together and be consistent for that long, that's rare. You know, I'm in a million groups. This one's different just because you seem to have, like, I was just in Vegas and I didn't make it, but there's a green room meetup. There's always a organ, there's like a. Yeah, people- they go, even if we're not there, we're the admins. And even if we're not there, like, yeah. they, still, they still meet up and have a blast and post all the pictures in the group and make everybody jealous. And what I would say is most of those people sell on all the platforms like you. They're They're everywhere. They're not married to just one as their def- definition. So I, I think that keeps it interesting. And that's probably why these, 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 that's a common thread between those group of people. Is that fair? Yeah. A lot of the people in there try to dabble into a lot of different things, see what maybe sticks and then maybe they'll take off with one and just go crazy. A lot of the guys probably at ASD in Vegas were all Amazon people, but they might've done eBay in the past. They, they usually start smaller and then grow into kind of what they, they like and what fits their lifestyle. Hmm. And it's a paid group, and it's not very expensive. Um, and if you're interested, it's a green room. What's it? How does it? How do you have it? Because I know there's a weirdness to it. Go ahead. What is it? Uh, green Univer- greenroomuniversity.com. You can check that out, or just send me a message on Instagram, and I'll probably be able to get a discount code. Uh, it's usually between 100 to 150 a year, depending on what kind of sales we're running. But uh, I think we have like 600 members in it right now. And yeah, it's going on every day, talking about eBay, Amazon, Etsy in there. And you can do it from the road. And to me, again, back to the question that I get all the time, Steve, how do I leave my corporate job? Well, Eric makes money with Green Room. Eric makes money being the traveling pharmacist. Eric makes money, the traveling drug dealer. Eric <laughs> makes money. That's not a good connotation. Eric makes money selling on eBay and Amazon and Etsy and makes a lot of money selling on Etsy lately. Um, and all these gets, other platforms. Yeah, you get stock dividends that you don't have to do anything for and it puts money in your pocket. I love it. Dude, I, I'm, I'm blown away with it. And again, I love the story because this is the answer I'm going to be giving people. Here's, an, here's somebody. I'm Dude, tell them, to message, this episode. tell them to DM me on Instagram. I will like slap them and tell them. Well, it's, it's one of those things. And I, my heart bleeds for people. And, and what happens, especially it's, it's guys in my generation who de- were defined by their job and then they lose it for no fault of their own, you know, and then they don't know what to do because that was what their parents taught them. I mean, that's what they learned. You know, you go work for a company for 30 years, Eric, you get a retirement, they give you a watch and you take your pension and you go. Give you a watch. And then you pawn the watch when you get yeah, fired. Uh, who wears a watch, right? I mean, yeah. but it's just funny. It's just, that's what it was. And in today's day, uh, you are completely bucking the system and 
you're, you're virtually starting a trend that I, I think you're at the tip of the spear, Eric Spears. I think you're at the <laughs> tip of it. So very cool. All right. So Instagram, let's get your Instagram out there. It's pretty simple. The college picker. The college picker. And um, you'll, you'll, he travels extensively, and I'm watching this, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's so cool. All right. All right. So we got the Instagram. That's the best way to get you there. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm most active. I'm doing stories every day with random stuff about what I'm buying and selling and trying to just add value to people with little life hacks and ways to save money. And if you send him a note, he will actually get back to you. So you know, if you have a question, I mean, I tell people all the time, they're like, how do I, how do I connect with them? I'm like, I give you the Inst- info. Yeah, Instagram's the best way to try to I, Just reach out to them. These are good people who want to help people. All right, yeah. so this is your chance to help somebody. Because I'm assuming you've had this, maybe you haven't had that point where you got stuck, uh, but you've seen other people that have gotten stuck. Um, what's your advice? Because I'm sure you get people coming in the green room and they don't, they don't have the skill sets developed yet. They haven't figured it out yet. How do you help them get moving forward? What are they stuck on? That is um, the first I question I would ask. I was, oh, okay. I would say because usually it's stuck in the business. They're, they're, you know, they hit the you know, $5,000 in sales and then they're like, you know, they're not making any money and they're like, how do I get past that, you know, to keep it growing? If you're at $5,000 in sales, that's pretty good every month. That's a lot of times more than what I'm making on eBay. So, um, But if you're selling that on Amazon, you aren't making any money, $5,000 in sales. Yeah, it depends. I would say. All perspective. If you're stuck at $5,000 in sales, I would say maybe try to really analyze where you are geographically and what markets you might be able to exploit geographically. Like what do you have as an advantage in Texas? Maybe cowboy boots. Uh, What do you have in Florida? Maybe fishing equipment. Maybe you're in a a rural area that doesn't know anything about Levi's. (laughs) So you could could try to find something to exploit in your zip code or in your state or in your city or find one that's near you to drive to because a lot of people are they they say i can't find anything at thrift stores i say dude drive two hours north drive two hours south drive two hours east drive two hours west and you will find stuff but that's a perspective issue because for you you see it as an adventure this is exciting other people are like i can't find it they're depressed about it you're not depressed about it. You're talking about it. This is exciting. We're going to go oh, yeah, find to some go, cool get, stuff, man. You get to go see a new city, how the cities are planned out, yeah. different architecture, eat different foods. You get to listen to a audio book on the drive. Like, you get to see beautiful sights. Yeah. It's perspective. Oh. It, totally. Attitude. Totally attitude. You're too young it's to understand mental. this, Eric. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. That This gives me so much hope for the future. Dude, I, I'm, I'm blown away. Uh, I love the story. I love what you're doing. I can't wait to see what else you do. I follow you on Instagram. I'm in there. I'm watching. Um, but again, message him. If, if this interests you, if you're, instead of asking Steve, how do I leave my corporate job? Because I'm going to direct you to this episode. <laughs> I'm 100% going to be doing that. I could really help the medical people a lot better than maybe somebody that's in engineering or something. But yeah. But they, those engineers are needed too. So very cool. Hey, thank you so much, man. I, I really wish nothing but success for you. No, thanks for having me on. This was awesome. How cool was that? I mean, how cool was that story? I mean, think about it. As a dad, I'm looking down at my son saying, man, oh, man, you have figured it out. I wish I would have had this opportunity at his age. Can you imagine the change he's going to make? Can you imagine the changes he makes in the the, uh, Native Americans on that reservation because he goes in with a positive attitude wanting to help them and give them his best every single time? How many people do that? You know what? 
It's a perspective issue, right? I mean, again, he's replacing a person who's probably not feeling like that. They're grinding it out every day. Here he is. He gets to go in and, and, and make a difference. And it's a matter of perspective. He's in the same job, doing the same work, but he's just looking at it different. And so I just, I'm so encouraged by this. Um, and again, this is going to be my go-to when people are saying, how do I get out of where I'm doing to get into this world of e-commerce, which I think is still the best place to be. This is a good example of what's possible. Um, and then maybe in your world, whatever that happens to be, you're an engineer, you're a, uh, a carpenter, you're a uh, whatever, there might be a way to make this work for you too, or this type of approach. Love it, love it, love it. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at EcommerceMomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.